HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes store. On behalf of everybody at HeritageRadioNetwork.com, we'd like to send a special thank you to the Hearst Ranch, our biggest supporter and longest-running sponsor since we first started in 2009. Hearst Ranch is the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the Central California coast. The result is beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding landscape. For more information, visit www.hearstranch.com. Hello, Greenhorns! I hope you're doing okay. This is another installation of Greenhorns Radio, which is um, for young farmers, by young farmers, brought to you by Greenhorns and myself, Severin, on Heritage Radio here, uh, sponsored by Hearst Family Ranch, which is a grass-fed beef. Uh, Many of us are ourselves more and more grass-fed every day, uh, including our guest today, Renee, coming all the way from... Washington State. Are you there? I am here, yes. Hello. (laughs) How are you doing over there? I am doing wonderful. It's a nice summer day here. Are you having such an are you having a nice summer over there? Um, it's been a slow start to the summer, but it's finally um up into the eighties and nineties. We're seeing some nice um warm weather, so the crops are happy. Uh so let's talk a little bit about Chelan, and this, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Am I saying that right? You are, Chelan. That's pretty good. Most people <laughs> say it, yeah, different. But, yes, that is it, Chelan. Um, so I, like many people, saw that documentary, Broken Limbs, that was made about that town and uh, the loss of farmland there. But I think not everybody who is listening to this show will watch that film, and I think it's a history that's really compelling and powerful, and I would love if you could just summarize a bit um, what's been going on there. Yeah, I guess in the late 90s, um, the apple industry here in Chelan Valley um, went, everyone was going bankrupt. A lot of the farmers had to sell their land and move. Um, 
and and the result turned to a lot of development in the area. Um, it's a hot spot for tourists from Seattle to come over and have second homes over here. So a lot of that land turned to um, development, and the farm that I'm on um, decided to diversify. And the son of the family, he's the one who made the documentary Broken Limbs, um, which is actually on Netflix right now, so people can check that out for free if they want to. Um, uh, so he came back to the farm after being gone in his late 20s and uh, made this documentary and made people more aware of um, what was going on with the apple industry. And, um, you know, there's better apples being made across um, the seas, across seas um, because the big apple here was Red Delicious. Um, if you all remember Red Delicious, at least I remember it in my lunch, and it wasn't the most tasteful apple. <laughs> um, so there are other apples being produced for cheaper. So, um Everyone was ripping out their orchards, and um, also the farmers, the ones that did decide to keep their land, they kind of put their heads together and decided that grapes would be um, a moneymaker in this area because it's um, we're on a 50-mile-long lake. Um, it's a little bit of a lake effect, so there's mild temperatures. It's a high-dry desert. There's not much precipitation, so there's um, uh, grapes don't really need that much moisture, so they're able to control that. Um, so right now, it's predominantly great, um, the wine, it's a wine industry here. So um, even though they're, you know, a lot of the farmers were going bankrupt in the late 90s, they've, the ones that stuck through it um, are now doing apples and grapes, both. So, And the apple and grape combination is working out okay, and people are, people are, relatively prosperous? Yeah, the grapes are definitely more so. That's, um, like I said, it is a tourist town, um, and so it is, it's a beautiful place for people to come in the summer. You know, we're seeing 90-degree days, you know, all of July and August, um, a lake that people are able to swim in, boat in, um, you know, all recreation, um, and so they come over and enjoy weekend-tasting wine and... Um, yeah, enjoy the weather as well, especially coming from the west side where it's <laughs> raining a lot. We call it the west side, the west side of the Cascades, I guess I should say. Um, and yeah, so now, what brought you to that part of the world? I, um, I guess, applied to work here three years back. Uh, the woman who started, so this farm diversified, and in that they found a woman to lease um, some of their property to start um, an organic vegetable production. So she came here, I guess it was six years ago now, and started, um, leased about three acres um, and started a small CSA. There's an on-site market here at the farm that I work at, so she was able to have that a direct market there. And then, um, and then restaurants and other accounts around the town. And she had a baby three years ago, so I came on and took over her position and um, started managing the vegetable operation. So I guess that's how I, through Atra, actually, that's how I found this farm. So, Wow. So, so it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a farm within a farm. And, and what was that lease agreement like? And if, if she, if she's, it looks like there's a baby in your picture. Is that your baby or her baby? No, no, that's not my baby. That's, that's actually my niece. Um, 
who comes to visit quite often and loves the farm. <laughs> um, no, it's she has a daughter that's about two years old. So, um, yeah, her lease, uh, originally she just came on, um, had never lived in this area either, and they it was a small payment for the land cause, because they're a larger farm. They wanted this um, an option, you know, another option for their customers down at the market to have organic vegetable um, vegetables there. So they saw it as an asset for themselves. So it was um, pretty minimal for her for paying out for the lease. And then actually she married into the family. So now now the vegetable operation is open owned by the larger Sunshine Farm. So it's all under one. So started well, as a lease. That okay? now yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so now we're part of... Um, it's about a hundred acre farm. Um, it's fourth generation, so this family's been around. It's the Evans family. They've been around for a while, predominantly a- apples, and now they've diversified to grapes. Um, we do cherries, also soft fruits, um, peaches, nectarines, apricots, and then um, I manage six and a half acres of vegetable production. All by yourself. I am doing the management part, yes, all by myself. Um, Rachel, the woman who started it, she's still on the farm. She uh, manages the markets um, down on site as well. So she's still here, great resource for sure. Um, so we started out my first year here together working, and now these last two years I've taken over and done all the management on my own. So, Well, isn't it fun how the relationships evolve? Yeah, and and I'm noticing yeah. with the baby thing, people people really get serious about um, finding more hands for their little boat when babies yeah. start tumbling down. Yeah, it's it's wonderful to have her here too. It's and you know just she's a great resource. She before she came to the farm, she worked for a farmer John in Chicago um, and did some work with him for a year. So she came from great experience as well and landed here so wow all all sorts of mafia connections there <laughs> yeah <laughs> is his yeah. the biggest um, biodynamic CSA in the in America I want to say he? he is yes I think I think so yes and there's another movie for anybody who's like trawling for movies that are on Netflix that's actually on Instant Watch right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Real Dirt on Farmer John. Uh, let's talk about what you have been doing until now and where you see your career going. It seems like you landed into a pretty sweet gig. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How, do you, how do you think you, set, you got set up for that? Um, I guess... Just, I was pretty persistent with these guys. They were looking for somebody with a lot more experience, and I was persistent with them. And you know, something fell through at the last moment with somebody that they're actually wanting to hire. And um, I was in Alaska previous to this, um, looking to come back to the Northwest. And um, yeah, I, I just, I guess, um, my persistence in getting this job, and I. I Every day I'm so thankful for being here because I've learned so much. I was able to jump from an apprentice, one year of an apprenticeship right into a management position 
which, um, you know, the first year <laughs> was definitely difficult and a, a lot of hours of um, just understanding the system here, but um, definitely paid off, and um, I... I will give thanks to the Evans family, <laughs> you know, throughout my career, and I, and definitely I am here this year, and I possibly will stay on for a couple more years um, just to get there, get um, the system a little bit more um, up and running, so we can pass it down to somebody else as well. Um, well, let's, yeah. let's hold on. Before we go towards your systems, which I really want to talk about, can you talk yeah. about the like psychology of? Um, that first year, you know, like so much, so much in team sports when you're when you go out for varsity, then they have like training week, and everyone mm-hmm. is just like vomiting and it's terrible and <laughs> to get themselves themselves in shape after the summer. Yeah, part of me feels like the first year of serious farming is kind of like that. Yes, <laughs> and I mean it doesn't it doesn't stop necessarily <laughs> in the years after, but. Um, um, yeah, it was, I mean, I came here three weeks before she, uh, you know, had her child, her first child, so it was three weeks of her telling me, you know, going out in the field with me and showing me all the irrigation systems, um, working on the computer with her to, um, figure out planting dates and systems as far as you know, who I was actually even contacting to sell my food to. Um, but I really think that because I had her here at my fingertips, even though she did have just have a new child, <laughs> that that was huge for me to keep me sane. You know, I mean, I felt times of, like, puking and vomiting, <laughs> but, but she, it was, uh, I mean, having her here was huge, and I just, I think I had the best, of both worlds because I was able to be on my own and manage and um, kind of treat it like it was my own operation, but at the same time have somebody here that had done it already um, but had to stand back because she had other obligations, obviously. So Yeah, there's something about being in charge that um, that makes it all a lot more serious. Yeah, yeah, and that's she definitely it was... She gave it up to me, you know, she allowed that, and um, I think that was huge for her to do that because, um, you know, it was her baby. It was her three years of setting the system, these systems up here, And um, but she had a new baby, so <laughs> she gave this one up, and, um, and yeah, so that, that allowed me to just kind of step in and take it full on, and, and um, I think that's why I've been able to do it is because it was, you know, my responsibility from the beginning, you know, like it was my own operation. So so this is a women-run farm, and you're talking about your systems, the systems that she set up coming from good background with Farmer John, and then you came in with one year of experience, and you're doing, you know, six acres is kind of sizable for one person to manage operation. Would you feel like there's something kind of female scale about it that you could talk about? Um, as far as just, I guess, can you, like, can you tell that, that it's a girl's farm? <laughs> can you tell that it's a girl's farm? Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you asked? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know, I, I don't know if I'd say that, but it's funny, actually, somebody just came up to me yesterday and was like, since you've been working here, it's always been male employees, so I've actually employed males since I've been here. <laughs> I work amongst a lot of other men, um, but, um, yeah, her and I, I think we just, we work well together. She, we have systems, we have, I mean, everything is in Excel. Um, it just is organized to the point of it, any, anybody can come in and take it on at that moment if something happens to one of us, and that's kind of what happened to her. She had it all, you know, documented in Excel and um, planting dates and all that kind of stuff. So when she did have a baby, like, I was able to come in and just... Um, you know, use her notes and and take more notes as I went through. And um, we, I guess, last year, my second year here, we both read the um, Organic Business Handbook by Richard Wiswall. Oh, yeah. Um, and that that is last year we did, I did extensive note-keeping last year. And through this winter, we did a lot of um, just plugging in the numbers and really figuring out what crops we actually had that were making the money. And you know, kind of refocused um, what we were growing because of that. Um, I mean, keeping our CSA and our diversity, but at the same time, we have a lot of other markets. So figuring out um, what crops were able to make us money <laughs> and what crops we needed to figure out better systems as far as cultivating, you know, so we weren't spending as much time on weeding and things like that. So, um I think our systems that we already had in place with, like I said, our Excel and just having it all right there um, in spreadsheets helped out then when we did want to do um, what Richard Wiswell has done with um, with figuring out the numbers, crunching the numbers and everything. So He is very businessy. He loves Excel. Those of you who don't know, this is a book called The Organic Farmer's Manual. Wait, Business Manual. Yeah. And it's published by Storybooks. It's big and brown. And it's very bossy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. so that's your guidance for people who are thinking about getting a little bit more serious. Cause yeah. it less, yeah. Was it less stressful or what, like, what did it yield? You know, it just, it helped me from... Um, year to year having new employees and um, really giving benchmarks because um, because I am managing the six acres, I'm not always able to work with my employees um, throughout the day, you know, when there's um, just a long row weeding job to be done and even harvesting. Um, it was definitely, it's, I did a lot of benchmarking and figuring out how long it actually took to do certain um, tasks. So it it I am able to tell my new employees what that was so they have something to work with and um, and work efficiently or, you know, explain to me why maybe it took longer because of a certain condition. And so it just, it's, I think that that's just, I'm, when I'm working, I'm constantly thinking of efficiency. And um, so it's just, it's good to be able to kind of, you know, put that on my employees as well, you know, have them be thinking about that too. Efficiency and a good spirit and yeah. really lucky circumstances. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> I cannot complain. I look out, and I have 180 degrees of lake down in front of me every day and 300 days of sun, so it's, it's definitely can't complain here. <laughs> Big smiles, brown skin, happy day. What's that? What what just came in for you guys? We just started getting zucchini, which is, like, the biggest thrill. I forgot yeah, how much I love got- zucchini. I know, I know. Zucchini, and actually last week we were at a farmer's market, and one woman asked if she could, if we could bring her her own, like, special extra-large zucchini. It was a pretty funny question. <laughs> she wanted, like, a foot-and-a-half-long zucchini, and I was like, I think we can do that for you. Um, but we just got tomatoes, actually. Um, we have a high tunnel that we plant tomatoes. I guess I plant them in the greenhouse. February 1st, they go into the high tunnel. So we have a greenhouse, the heated um, greenhouse, and then we have a high tunnel that's uh, just uh, non-heated. And um, so we put them into the ground in the high tunnel right around April 1st. So it helps to get us um, a little earlier tomato crop. So we have been harvesting for about a week and a half, two weeks. So um, that's pretty exciting, especially because it is such a late season. Yeah, I don't get bored of tomatoes for quite a long time. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. And, yeah, that's, I think, probably the most exciting crop right now. So, Well, yeah. so now, do you have anything to announce that's going on near you or or um, favorite farmer advice or give a shout-out to the institution that made your life as a farmer possible? Um, I Is guess... Free question. Free question. <laughs> hmm. Well, I'm, I guess I just thinking about how I started. I um, was able to apprentice in on Vancouver Island in um, British Columbia for a year um, and was able to learn from a woman who actually teaches at the local community college just outside of the town, um, teaches organic farming as a business, and... Um, so I spent a year with her learning how to save seeds, to planting, to harvesting, to weeding. You know, I mean, that's where I learned it all, was living there and being part of that community. And, um, yeah, and just giving me such a great experience from the start and made me want to stick with it. And and then, like I said, being here with the Evans family, it's um, definitely my second family. Um, and they've opened up and... Um, I'm far from home. I'm from Wisconsin originally, so I'm I'm far from my my own family. So definitely good to have second family where I'm working and living all the time. So well, make a family wherever you go. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thank you so much for coming on, and I thank all you for listening. And I encourage those of you who are living in the city or near to it that we have a screening of our documentary film in Brooklyn on the 24th of July. We're doing a big mixer out at NOFA, New, NOFA, let's see now, the Summer NOFA Conference on August 13th, and also Ant Hill Farm is having a music festival that night. There are a couple other screenings in the, in the between times, so check out the schedule, and see you, see you soon, I hope. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Finger on the Pole and City Winery are proud to present the Summer Barbecue Blowout Festival, August 6th, from noon to 4 p.m. 
The barbecue is happening at City Winery, located at 155 Varick Street in New York City. Restaurants featured at this event are Empire Mayonnaise, Van Dag, Momofuku Mopar, Imperial No. 9, Myland, Mexicue, Kraft, Dizzy's Club, Coca-Cola, The Meatball Shop, and Dos Toros. Providing the soundtrack for the day are Midnight Magic, Pewter Magic, New Villager, Punches, Ducky, DJ Autobot, and the Snacky Tune DJ. VIP and general admission tickets are available at citywinery.com. Finger on the pole for City Winery, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Heritage Foods USA, New York Magazine, Rekha Vodka, Sonar, Smile, Guilt City, Sub-Zero and Wolf. Please come out and join us for a day of fun, food, and dancing. For more information, go to www.fotpnyc.com.